Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm Dale Spangler, and in this episode, I'm joined by Pit Pass Moto show producer, Kevin Skubak, as we discuss some of our standout moments from the 2023 season. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind the scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real time series updates and original content. Let's get started with this final episode of 2023. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the final show of 2023 here at Pit Pass Moto. It was quite a year, I'd say, 2023. I think there was definitely some show changes here and there. We're kind of like, I guess you could say, meandering a little bit, trying to find our way. Uh, Lead host for the last few years, Dave Selecki. Left the show in February and uh, definitely miss having Dave on. I feel like Dave and I had some great banner. Him being an engineer, me being a creative guy, two opposite ends of the spectrum. So I think we had some fun banter back and forth. Um, yeah, 2023, we did 48 episodes this year with 44 guests and four special episodes. Just great guests all around. Once Dave left the show, I decided to kind of gravitate towards these deep dive interviews with racers and industry people, I should say, that I feel like are those types of people that maybe aren't necessarily in the limelight. They're people that are, I like to call heavy lifters, people that are doing the work in the trenches, if you will, behind the scenes. So I like to shine the light on those types of guests. We've had some great, great people on the show this year, some amazing racers. So I'd say overall, it was a pretty darn good 2023 season, hosting the show by myself here. As I mentioned, we'd had a little change there with Dave going away, and I decided, well, at this final episode of the season to do a year-end review of the show and also bring on someone who's been behind the scenes producing the show, Kevin Skubek. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto. Decided to have you on today, bring you out of the trenches from behind the scenes, producing the show. How are things for you today? Dale, you finally gave me a mic. <laughs> you said that it's been in the mail for the past year and a half, and it's finally reached my doorstep. Uh, I'm actually sick as a dog right now. Oh, no. I didn't tell you this before we started <laughs> recording. <laughs> I think as soon as you told me that I'm going to be a guest on the show, my immune system just started dying on me. <laughs> you sound good. You don't sound I, like you're like worse for wear. I think I sound 
maybe 50% more Tom Waits raspy than I normally do. So other than that, I've, I've been doing been doing fantastic. I can't believe we turned out that many episodes this year. You know, they just seem to fly by. I know. So how many have you produced then? Did you started last year, right? I think you started like towards the end of the year in 2022. I think it was like September of 22 that we started. So just kind of at the tail end of, of that year and then into this year. And, you know, as you know, I don't really come from a motocross background. So hearing all these little facets of this industry and it's really really eye-opening to see this industry that I knew nothing about kind of just come to life before me. Yeah, I think that's a big reason why I thought it would be a great idea for you to come on is just because that different perspective, you know, like I'm so close to it, 30 years in this industry, I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. So it's kind of like, I'm so close to it that I take a lot of things for granted. And so it's been fun to kind of hear your perspective, you know, and then of course, editing these over the course of a year, year plus, you've started to probably get to know the sport a little bit more. And you even told me a story about, I was telling you about a story I wrote for a magazine and you said you rode your bike down to, to Barnes and Noble to see if you could pick up a copy and because uh, you're that interested. I thought that was pretty cool. It got me excited. And we have to clarify, Dale, when we say bike, we mean bicycle. Bicycle, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the acoustic motorcycle, as I call it. Um, we had like the founder of Vana on, I, th- I think it was. or Yeah. Andrew yeah. Campo. Yep. Yep. You know, hearing that you wrote for this magazine, I was like, well, I got to check it out. So I, you know, strapped on my helmet, put on my safety vest. <laughs> making me sound really cool. Bike to Barnes and Noble. And I found out that they didn't have any of your issue in stock because I got there like a couple of days too early. So I, I picked up the issue before that, which I think was the summer issue. And nonetheless, was just floored by these incredible shots of bikers going in and out of you know all these crazy trains and stuff and it's something that even a a non-motorcycle fanatic could probably appreciate which i i definitely did yeah it's it's so like anti what everything is for the most part these days digital oriented you know it seems so opposite so analog in a lot of ways picking up a physical magazine that's especially when it's beautiful paper and just like you said photos that are just incredibly shot photos, just those golden hour shots that are just, you know, you have to earn those photos. You don't just take those photos. You got to physically go out and wait for the right time to get those shots. So I just love that about that magazine. Like you said, and it does really capture that. I mean, freedom is really the, probably the biggest thing about that magazine. You know, it's that essence of being out there on your own in the moment, out of your head. And what I think is so cool about that, you being having a background in music, I think there's a lot of parallels between music and motorcycles. I forget what guest we had on, but, you know, we had somebody on one of our episodes that was a privateer writer, and he was talking about just the hardships and how much more ownership you have over your success because you're the one, you know, trucking it from race to race, you know, sleeping in your van or truck sometimes, you know, loading your gear in and out and and all those fun things. And I was kind of like listening to it. I'm like, this sounds a lot like when I was a touring musician, just... When you're at that level, being a musician, it's the same thing. It's driving from city to city. You know, in this case, it's show to show rather than race to race. But, you know, loading in your gear in and out, you know, not making the best money, but just enough to get you to the next city and maybe a cushion in case your van breaks down or, you know, pops a tire or something like that, which I have too many stories to count there. (laughs) Um, But I, I also think that, just like the catharsis, you know, I must feel when I just sit down and, and, you know, play whatever instrument I'm playing is probably similar to how you feel after a long day's work. And you're just like, I got to clear my head. Let's get on the bike. Let's go for a ride. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think they're so parallel. The privateer thing you just brought up just nails it because I, I hadn't even thought of that before, but it's so true. Because the privateer is like, the- it's, yeah, And it's like, if I'm doing it and I'm facing all this bullshit that I'm facing, I must really love this. You exactly. Know? <laughs> like to put, up, <laughs> to put up with all the shit that you have to encounter, whether it's a broke touring musician or a privateer, it's just like, I'm definitely doing this for the love because you wouldn't do it otherwise. Oh yeah. You're sleeping in your van. Yeah. You're, you're struggling. I mean, like, I'm sure it was similar to this with, with you being a touring musician where you're dragging all your equipment into your room. Well, I've, I've, I've stayed at places where I've literally wheeled my motorcycle into my hotel room because I didn't want it to get stolen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The hotel, the hotel says no dogs, no pets, but they didn't say anything about no motorcycles. Yeah. You're you're good there. That's all right. Yeah. You know? (laughs) <laughs> and then there's the factory ride level, which, you know, a dirt bike, that's when that, that's when you're getting paid to ride for them. And kind of the equivalent of, you know, probably landing a record label deal where once again, it's there's those parallels where like you're you're being dictated to probably how you behave and what you can, can and can't do. And, you know, I would assume signing to a label, you're probably being told how to make music in a lot of cases. So there's definitely parallels there as well. Yeah, I've never really gotten to that stage, so I couldn't say for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound checks and all that sound like another pain in the butt thing too, where I feel like from venue to venue, getting tuned in for each show has got to be a pain in the butt sometimes. Yeah, every venue was just kind of up in the air of how good it was going to sound. And, you know, sometimes we wouldn't even have sound checks. They would just be like, all right, you know, you're you're up. That's just it. Just run it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the amps work, great. <laughs> you got 25 minutes. We're going to turn off the power if you go over 26. Yeah, we have a place here in Boise called the Neurolux. Gets all a lot of the kind of garagey, you know, more underground bands. And uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. They actually played a show here in Boise. And I think they'll probably never come back again because, <laughs> <laughs> for one, they barely fit on the stage. The place is so small. And then they're, they're kind of notorious for just having this crappy sound system that just drives all the bands nuts. And so I have a feeling they'll probably never come back. So it was a one and done. Dale, you are, you are so freaking hip for saying that King Gizzard is one of your favorite bands. <laughs> they're awesome. They release like five albums a year. And like, oh, yeah, it's not the way it's that, the way that I see it, it's like if you don't like one of their albums, there's, bound to be something that you're going to like because they produce so many things. Yeah. So I have to say though, like, so you, you told me you play pretty much everything, right? So you're like keyboardist, you're a guitarist, you play drums. Well, and then you probably work the soundboard too. So you pretty much do everything, but I'm curious to know, is a sick instrument, is that the equivalent of a rad dirt bike for you, Kevin? Oh yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like a bitchin' guitar, like you know? Bitchin', like a bitchin', yeah. Bit, anytime you can describe something as bitchin', bitchin'. Then you know you're in the right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think any, uh, any hobby you're going to have, like the people that care about the gear as much as like what you use the gear for. It's true. They just yeah. love the fact that it exists, you know? I'm sure that there are people like that in the dirt bike world. Absolutely. You you nail it there. There's some of the older guys like me, like vet riders that are maybe maybe a little further along. They've had a decent job where they show up at the racetrack and they had the sickest factory level bike you've ever seen. They might only do three laps that day, but they look awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure there's plenty of those out there that have like the four thousand dollar guitar, but they probably play it once a year. (laughs) I mean, if you're into it, you're into it. Oh, yeah. That's what. Yeah. 
one of the things that I really like about your community, Dale, is that, man, you guys are just so supportive with one another. And like, you all have one common interest and that's just a love of motorcycles, a love of going fast. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're a professional or amateur, you get out riding 300 times a year or, or three times a year. It's just like, there's just that common thread of, if you like it, then that says something about who you are as a person. And that by itself is enough. I mean, I think for me, like really in the end, it's the feeling you get from riding a motorcycle and the people. Because I just feel like I've met so many incredible people just down to earth. They'll give you the shirt off their back. They'll let you stay in their house. I mean, growing up racing, I can't tell you how many times I'd be in Georgia or someplace, you know, and somebody would let me ride on their their track in their yard. And then they'd Hey, stay, go ahead and stay and use use our bathroom. And by the way, we'll feed you, you know, a spaghetti dinner, you know. And there's just so many kind people out there that just help each other out. And I'm sure you have similar stories from from traveling on the road and you know having people help you out and give you a place to stay. And you know, it's those memories in a lot of ways that just kind of are some of the good stuff, you know. From when I look back through the years of being involved with dirt bikes and just the whole motorcycle community in general. Perfect example is I think it might have been yeah, it's probably about eight years ago. One of our guests that we had on, Skyler Howes, a recent guest. He's now a factory Honda rider for the, uh, you know, going coming into the Dakar Rally, which is here after the first of the year. Well, he was racing Heron Hound Series, which is the U.S. Desert Series here. And after the round, he he came to our my house and he had his van and he's like, "Hey, can I, you know, mind if I sleep in your in your driveway?" And I'm like, "No problem." Gave him a shower, you know, place to use, and it's just. It's just amazing to me, though, that when I think back and I go from where he was at there, he was a struggling privateer, like we talked about, doing what you have to do to make ends meet, to now. You know, now he's a salaried factory rider for one of the biggest teams in the world, American Honda. And so it's it's pretty cool to to think that, you know, I helped him out a little bit along the way and it made me feel good to help him out. And so, yeah, just kind of one example of how our industries work and uh, definitely a cool thing about that I love about power sports. We'll get back to the conversation in one moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. So as we mentioned, 48 episodes this year, 44 guests on the show, and then four special episodes. So a few of the standout episodes for me for 2023. Do you want me to... uh... I can edit in a drum roll and post. You want me to do that before each one? Oh, that's a cool idea. Sure. <laughs> drum roll, please. Yep. <laughs> uh, so who is your number one standout episode from 2023, Dale? Well, I kind of put them in an order just based upon, I don't know, I guess a linear timeline fashion, but I don't, I don't, These there's five of them that really stand out the most to me. So I'll just kind of start with the first one that was, Back in, I want to say it was January or February, first part of the year, uh, Cody Schaefer, Journey to Hell and Back. Man, that was a tough episode for me. Like I've known Cody for quite a number of years, probably 10 years or so from one of my previous jobs. I think I supported him at Fly Racing when I worked there with some gear. But yeah, it was tough to hear Cody's story where he literally like almost lost the use of his arm and then his comeback to 
first being able to ride a mountain bike and then second to be able to ride his motorcycle. And now I think he's racing UTVs with his brother. And so just an amazing comeback story from somebody that probably should be done completely with riding motorcycles, yet yet he's still doing it. I don't know. It was a heartfelt story for me, a little bit somewhat personal because I've known Cody, you know, for for quite some time. But just hearing the whole thing from start to finish, it's it's really amazing that he's where he's at today and just glad to see him doing well. Yeah, and here is a clip from that episode. Here is Cody Schaefer talking about that infamous crash. Yeah, the crash. Picturing it and piecing it all together, like there's so many little weird things that added up to like how I got into this situation. And it's from simple as every one of these events that I go to, like I always made it a habit to be the first one out on practice. And I was just breaking in a new bike and I wasn't familiar with the settings and I was going through like kind of the process of that kind of stuff. And I was just late, just running late. So I, I started off mid pack. And so like that changes my day. And just halfway through the first lap of what I was doing and uh, don't know how I missed the course or missed the arrows I was supposed to be following, but somehow got off the course and then two guys already missed the course like the same way I did. And they realized they were lost and I just didn't know that I wasn't where I was supposed to be yet. And just second gear, probably wide open on a forest service road on the side of a ski resort. And, uh, just no no reaction, nothing I could do, and just head on with those guys coming back to the course. Cody was airlifted off the side of the mountain where the accident took place. He spent two weeks in the hospital where he was recovering from arm injuries, shoulder injuries, facial fractures, broken wrists, and a brachial plexus injury, which is the network of nerves that carries movement from the spinal cord to the arms and hands. So basically... He was running the risk of never being able to use that arm again. Yeah, absolutely incredible story, really. And then he got lucky, I think, finding a, a particular doctor that was a specialist and just an incredible, you know, story of perseverance and just, uh, I guess, not giving up, you know? Yeah, his chances of being able to ride a motorcycle again were slim until he had that chance running with a specialist. And here's him talking about that. My wife really just started searching for a doctor and found this doctor in St. Louis. And she's actually the person who invented nerve transfer surgeries. So the doctor who was running tests on me here in Colorado actually ended up having the same name, same spelling, same everything as one of her grad students. So she told me like, oh, yeah, how do you know my student? And we're like, we, we don't. We just went to this doctor. She's like, huh. I, th- I thought that was the, the, the my my old grad student. Like, no, she's like, well, I only agreed to see you because I thought you were referred to me by one of my students. Right. So yeah, we flew out there just what I thought was just for a consultation. And they ran a whole bunch of series of tests. And uh, sitting there with her, I was being a smart ass because I, I just didn't think anybody could help or that my arm would just hang there forever. And I asked her, when can you do the surgery? And she said, does tomorrow work? And then here's him talking about when he first started realizing that riding a bike might be in his future. It was like three in the morning after one of my surgeries. And my friend sent me a video of a mountain biker in Great Britain who had a similar injury I had. And he was back on a bike. He was riding good. He was ripping. And like just in my head from that point, I was like, yeah, I can do this again. Like it, it might not be the same. It might be harder. It might be more difficult. But yeah, I got back on a mountain bike about eight months after my accident, so May-ish 
of 2020. And then from there, it's just like, okay, I can kind of do this. And then my speed just kept getting better. And my buddy that I'd always ride with, he uh, was just kind of funny. He's like, you know, I, I, I'm faster than you again. <laughs> and it was just for me, it was like, yeah, you are, you are, you're good. And then like, I started to get more comfortable and started to get that stuff. And then he's like, dude, I can't keep up anymore. And it's like, all right. So it was just from that of like, just, just progressing forward and then getting better and then thinking, I am riding a bicycle. Why can't I get back on a dirt bike? I guess where there's a will, there's a way. And I think that's what one thing about Cody, I think he just had the, the wherewithal to where, you know, he was going to figure out a way to do it no matter what. All right, number two, Dale. Uh, drum roll, you're going to hear it right now. <laughs> Who's her number two? My standout number two episode would be Mark Cody from Veteran Motocross Foundation. And I didn't really know much about this organization until I came across, you know, Mark. I think it might have been on LinkedIn we connected, but just a, a great story about, you know, an organization that was created to help currently enlisted military and retired military. And so Mark happens to live in Southern California and started this group of veteran motocross racers that would get together and just kind of support each other, have some camaraderie. You know, they had a lot of common interests, obviously, being in the military. And this organization has just continued to grow. They now have an annual motocross race just for veterans. I think it was in Iowa again this year. But just a great organization, something that was just kind of a feel-good story to be able to help share Mark's story of the Veteran Motocross Foundation and how, much, how it's just changing lives out there for a lot of these veterans that you know might have other issues like PTSD and some of these other issues that you know these veterans come back with from active military. And so, yeah, just love being able to get behind and help share Mark's story about the you know Veteran Motocross Foundation. Here's a little bit of Mark talking about the background of the organization. Veteran Motocross Foundation was founded by Cody and Dustin Blankenship, two brothers that served in the military. They started it out of Lake Sugar Tree. In the beginning, I really believe it was more of a community-based program, something that they wanted to do to serve their community and help the veteran community. However, the word kind of spread and people popped up in Michigan, the Pacific Northwest, California, the Midwest. Six years later, we have 928 members nationwide. It's not hard to get behind an organization like that that's just doing something positive for, you know, these military veterans. Like we talked about, a lot of them have some some mental issues they're maybe struggling with and confidence, whatever you want to call it. But being able to go out on a dirt bike and just forget about all of your life's issues and problems. And when you get done riding, you feel like a different person, you feel refreshed. And then add in the camaraderie of other veterans. You just have a, a great recipe for, for just helping, you know, veterans feel better and, uh, I don't know, just have a better mental and physical life. Here's something that I just thought of. Are there like a high number of Cody's that are just in motocross? Because the last <laughs> guy was Cody Schaefer. This guy's Mark Cody. And then he talked about how this was founded by Cody Blankenship. It's very much a motocross name, so. <laughs> All right, number three, drum roll, please. We have... Uh. I wouldn't say it's a standout episode, but it's a standout experience for me. And that's the Harley-Davidson homecoming 120th anniversary celebration in Milwaukee this year. Wow, can't say enough about that thing, though. That, that event just blew my mind, opened my eyes to just how big motorcycling really is, especially when you see how big Harley-Davidson is. Literally, the whole town is almost taken over by the sound of rolling thunder of Harley-Davidson's 
just an incredible experience. Got to see behind the scenes Harley Davidson stuff at the museum that most people don't get to see. Got to tour some of their factories, their R&D facilities, ride the uh, brand new models and get wine and dine. So that was one of my first experiences doing one of those media intros and I could get used to that for sure. <laughs> well, number uh, four, drum roll please, we have Colin Godby, Dust Moto Dirt Bike. So this is an Eid motorcycle and uh, kind of got the scoop on this when Colin actually reached out to me to help him with, uh, connect him with some media people in the industry. And, you know, we got to talking. I said, you need to come on Pit Pass Moto and tell the story of this new mid-sized uh, electric dirt bike. I thought it was fascinating. I feel like we got the scoop on this project. You know, it's it's definitely out there generating some interest. I'm sure there's people going, you know, what what is this, you know, American-made electric dirt bike? You know, and yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. But you know, I've been keeping up on what Colin and his team have been doing over there at Dust, and it's it's coming along. You know, they're starting to get some of the bodywork designed. And uh, listen to the episode for sure if you haven't, folks out there. Colin does a great job of explaining kind of their design philosophy and how they're going to go about building this motorcycle. So uh, I definitely recommend checking that one out. I think one of the things that was very interesting about Colin's whole perspective on where his product lands in the market is that he is not trying to replace the internal combustion engine. Yes. His product at its current stage works to just coexist alongside gas bikes. And here's him talking about that. You know, sort of playing back some of the, you know, new brand entrants and efforts to create these brands around electric. One of the things that sort of surfaced as kind of common thread between the likes of Zero and Livewire and Alta was in this process of trying to tell the story like, hey, we can replace the ICE experience completely and electric is better. Um, it was sort of papering over some of the real physics challenges associated with electric drive. And those brands that I've named, like they made amazing products. And in a lot of ways, the experience that they offered was incredible. But when they went for sort of a replacement experience of these highly capable gas bikes, you end up having to trade something because of the nature of the physics of energy density and gasoline versus batteries. You end up having either exceptionally large batteries, which are very costly, or having significantly reduced range. And so that kind of understanding of the technical challenge to actually create a replacement experience of gas told me, like, let's actually not try to solve that problem right now. We're not there yet. What we can do is actually build a really unique and compelling experience because of the benefits that electric brings that goes alongside of the gas bikes that you might have in your garage already. And for me, the bikes we're building are going to be more lightweight, more agile and dynamic than a 250 or 450. The type of riding and sort of the playful kind of flickable experience that you get out of this let's say a lightweight moto or it's maybe a middleweight electric moto. Um is super compelling. One more. All right, Dale, your last one. What do we got? My last one is Frank Fratas, Legends and Heroes Motocross Tour. Another one of those feel-good stories, kind of like Mark Cody from Veterans Motocross Foundation. Frank is just one of those guys. He's taken over the Legends and Heroes Motocross Tour as the you know managing partner, but he's also decided to create a Legends and Hero Motocross Tour Museum where he lives in Southern California. And I think he's got plans on paper and I don't know when exactly they're going to break ground, but 
this is another one of those feel-good projects. Like I said, easy to get behind. Frank and his team already go to Supercross and Motocross races, sharing history of Motocross, talking about some of the, the heroes of the past, past champions, acknowledging some of them at each round, adding them into their kind of like, I guess you could say Hall of Fame. But yeah, it's exciting to see that we're actually going to have a museum here pretty soon, opening probably sometime in 2024. And uh, just thought it was great to to see somebody like Frank just out there putting his all in into something like that that he felt like was missing from our sport. Yeah, well, back in uh, 2008, I was running a Finnish motocross club, which I still uh, run to this date. And the local ARMA representative uh, wanted to he wanted to know if I could bring some bikes to San Diego Supercross just for an exhibit for ARMA, the national organization. So we brought about 30 bikes there, and it was really, really well received. So he asked me, can you bring some bikes to the LA Supercross, and I'm like, sure. So we brought some bikes to that. He, his name is Alex Moroz. He's kind of the founder of Legends and Heroes. So he looked at this and said, this, what a wonderful business opportunity. You know, if I get some sponsors, I could probably take this show on the road everywhere and just get a hold of local clubs and they could bring bikes. So he started Legends and Heroes in 2009 and the concept just took off. Then in uh, 2019, he wanted to retire, so he called me up because he knew I was there from the beginning with him and wanted to know if I was interested. And, you know, I thought about it a little bit, and it has been my passion. So I said, sure. So I took over the company in 2019. Yeah, that's my fifth and final one. And uh, tons of good episodes this year. I was kind of reluctant about saying, you know, favorite or best because I loved all the episodes and all the, all the people that I had on this year. I seriously enjoy just sharing anybody's, you know, any of the stories that I've had of the people that have come on, people that are, again, heavy lifters that do the do the stuff that maybe are a little bit thankless in some cases, but they're uh, certainly necessary. Yeah, and that brings me to um, just kind of, you know, what I surmise is the, the point of this podcast and why you have these guests on. It's, you know, the motocross industry and community is very small and tight-knit and there are a lot of unsung heroes out there that are doing all the hard work and maybe not getting the attention that they deserve. So, Dale, it's really cool to see you shine a spotlight on these little facets of the industry that might otherwise go unnoticed. Yeah, I mean, really, that's kind of what I've came to the conclusion this year that, you know, like might not have the biggest following yet, but uh, I feel like I can at least do something and do my part to give back and, and just kind of, like I said, shine a light on some of these people that I feel like deserve the credit and do a lot for our industry. And also some of the racers we had on, you know, like racers that I feel like are super down to earth, approachable racers that give back, treat their fans well. And so that's been kind of the goal of these this year. There's some lessons in there. There's some inspiration and, you know, hopefully people walk away feeling like they learned something, at least one thing from each episode. Well, thanks, Kevin, for joining me on this special final episode of 2023. Thanks, Dale, for having me on. I can probably lower the gun that I'm pointing at you right now since we're done recording. <laughs> you gave it to my demand. <laughs> thanks to everyone out there. Hope you've enjoyed the guests we've had on. And if you wouldn't mind, please help us grow the show by sharing your favorite episodes with your network out there of motorcycle enthusiasts and friends. And I hope you'll tune in again and join us in 2024 as we bring you more Pit Pass Moto. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, 
please rate and review our show. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.